0: Again, I think I think unfortunately we've made Christianity just to be assenting to these beliefs, but really just like mentally, mental assent to a belief that's yeah. very cheap.
1: And so I, I think there there needs to be an ongoing, daily. I, I appreciate that daily moment of a moment wisdom. Lord, is this of you or or am I mm-hmm. being duped? Because it's so easily to be duped. You know, hearing about six six six
2: and you know going to those super fearful seminars about listening to records backwards and Hello friends. Hello. We're behind the sermon. This is where it happens. All of the magic. Um, well, how do you guys feel just revelation has been kind of hitting you the further we've traveled, uh, with the Lord and the, the book and you guys preached on it several times. What's happening in your own hearts?
0: One thing that continues to come to the surface for me is the deeper spiritual reality that's always going on. I think I tend to think of um, reality as purely physical a lot of times. And so I think Revelation just shines a spotlight on how there is a cosmic and spiritual reality behind all the things that we're experiencing. And for me, it's really um, that that begins to change the way that I think about life Mm -hmm. (laughs) and interacting with people and difficult situations and stuff like that. I think it just is like, okay, I need to look a little deeper. Yeah. And even in my own life, like when there's just been hard or difficult or stressful things. I feel invited by Jesus to ask a ask a deeper question versus just like, Lord, I want this situation to be different, to to begin to ask, all right, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Because I I feel like there's just so much that I don't tend to see and I need to ask. Mm. So it's it's really I think it's humbled me a lot in just my confidence and my ability to be like, well, this is what's going on or this is what should happen. And just to ask.
1: Yeah, so. about you, Joe. I say one thing: it's really adding weight uh, to the rest of the scriptures for mm-hmm. me. Um, there's so much, there's so much cross reference in the Book of Revelation from, uh, from Genesis, you know, right through um, the other, you know, thirty-six books or thirty. How many are there? Thirty-nine books in the Old Testament, twenty-seven in the New Testament. Yeah, come on. Um you got to know that anyway, by the time you retire. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um so to know your Bible uh is becomes more and more important I think as I'm studying mm-hmm. uh Revelation rather than boy this is just going to tie everything up nice and neat. Yeah. Um the complexity of the book of Revelation I think draws us into truly believing that God has been in control, and He's communicated that clearly through His Word throughout human history. Uh, and that's just becoming more evident for me as I study Revelation, and um, it makes me fall in love with the Word. Yeah. It makes it draws me into wanting to meditate on God's Word day and night, you know, type of thing. Uh, not just think that I have it figured out because I've been around it, for a long time, there's just a—it's a lifelong endeavor to study and yeah. understand it more. So, so that's something that's going on yeah. with me in the Book of Revelation. So, something we've not ever
2: done. So, it's Wednesday, um, and this will release at another time. That's not this day, but you're preaching this week. It's Wednesday. You're you've you're you know actually took a break to come down here to do this. So, what's it like about this time of the week? as somebody who is like, all right, Lord, I need to hear from you, I'm reading, I'm doing all this stuff, but what, talk about that a little bit of uh, just the weight of that, and also how God kind of works.
1: Yeah, the, the passage I'm working on is uh, chapter 17, and it's, it really turns the page into um, how God is going to end um, all of the pain and suffering and bring judgment, and His wrath on the world, and so I, I feel really undone in terms of Laid bare before God. I don't. I know. I don't know if that. What that means to other people, but to me, that means. I just feel like, oh my goodness, where would I be without you, mm-hmm. Christ? Um, and 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 then I, um, the, the weight then of family members, the weight of people that are in my realm of, um, you know, relationship. I just, uh, I, I feel the weight of that. Yeah. Uh, Carrying um, more deeply about how to effectively model for them, communicate to them um, the gospel, yeah. and that Christ is our only hope. So I am I feel inadequate. I feel like, man, how am I going to really study Jeremiah and Daniel and uh, Ezekiel well enough to really mm-hmm. understand what John is trying to communicate? Because there's so much comes together in the book of Revelation from Old Testament prophecy. Um, I, I just don't feel like I ever Right. can Not be quite done yeah. with a study, and and I will feel that way Sunday morning at, you know, 8.30, too. Yeah. Um, it just never ends. But why uh, is that
2: a good thing?
1: I, you know, it just really increases my dependency on the Lord. Um, it also makes me want to be more practical in my preaching and try to communicate what God is saying to me specifically and how that might relate to somebody else that, that will be listening because I have to land someplace, yeah. Um, and I wanna, I wanna speak with integrity, and I wanna speak with passion, and so I feel that in me. Mm-hmm. But, but on Wednesday, it makes me more nervous than settled. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. I know the just hearing you talk about
2: judgment, and it, it is a, it's a, it's a turn in this part of the book that is, it kind of feels real. You you start to feel the weight of it. Um, and I, hearing you talk about uh, friends and family and people, I, I was just thinking, you know, we all have had um, family members or friends or we've attended, you know, funerals or we've seen, and, and there's this part of you that gets to that point where you're like, whoa, this is like really, this is really it. This is really and truly the last moment that I'm going to talk to this person or we're remembering and their life is really over. And I, I, that was a surprising thing for me as well. Like, you know, it's coming, but to have this at some point in history, people will be like, wow, th- it, there really aren't any more chances. This is, this is the last kind of moment. Daniel, when you were growing up and then now you've been following Jesus for a long time and you know, have grown uh, like we all have in maturity and thinking about these types of things. Do you, that weight of kind of the decision and the finality of things, like how do, how do you sort those things out when you think about people that don't know Jesus yet? And
3: as you're preaching on that kind of stuff too,
0: I think it, it just makes me want to be, be, really faithful with the way I live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just easy to get sidetracked with all sorts of other priorities, I think. And so being in revelation, it really is like, um, and, and when you see the judgment of God, it's, it's both weighty and a little bit terrifying, but mm-hmm. also it's, there's a sense of relief. And so <clears throat> for me that, Kind of reorders my priorities, I think a lot. Um, but I also like. At, I think early on, and and we've kind of been revolving around the theme of of God's wrath and His justice and that kind of stuff a lot. Um, but when I was younger, it kind of was something that I generally ignored. I knew it was in the Bible, but just mm-hmm. didn't think about it a lot, and honestly thought it was maybe a little unfair. Um, and then when you begin to recognize that the, the real source of all of the stuff that we experience in life is sin. It is our rebellion against God. And so if God wants to redeem those who have rebelled, what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. And so it just makes it makes the gospel and what Jesus did for us that much more central. It gives me a lot more confidence in... Um, and just all the ups and downs of life and the 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 ebbs and flows of like sometimes life feels really great and fun and sometimes it feels the opposite yeah um but just knowing that god is going to put all of these pieces back together the finality piece though that is the thing that i think motivates me when i'm conscious of it yeah and i don't get distracted it really motivates me to want to um make the most of the time that I have. And I think it's tempered with this thing of like, there, there's, there's a piece of like my own personal responsibility mm-hmm. for my life. I think God has called me to be faithful as a, as a dad and as a husband, as a pastor and just different relationships in my life and stuff like that. But also then when you see the, the, the justice of God, it really gives you the sense of like, okay, I don't have to be in control. I don't have to make all this stuff right. God is going to actually carry his plan out to completion. So it gives me a sense of peace even with, um, with my kids, for example, um, and with just big, difficult things in the world that I don't have to get it all perfectly right. Yeah. That Jesus is going to get it perfectly right in the end. Yeah. So that that's kind of how that has been hitting me. I think.
2: Yeah. I I know that um, we all. I think we've talked about how we've all settled in a little bit to the way to read a book like this, um, and not in a prideful way. But Joe, you and I were just we, we do a lot of hallway conversations at, at Pleasant Valley um, where we'll just like, hey. I just read this. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, back to work. Like, it's just kind of this interesting thing we've always done. Um, and so we were talking in the hallway about, and you said this. You said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say anymore. Here's this view, and here's this view, and here's where we are. I'm just going to preach where I'm at. Um, and I really, I took a lot of courage from that and kind of let it, I think, <laughs> um, lead me last Sunday just to be, okay, I feel more and more comfortable um, and this relates to a question uh, we got online of, and it was from chapter 11, but it, it fits right into this um, the ideas that come almost in every chapter. The question is when um, it's talking about the two witnesses and the two witnesses being martyred and their bodies are laying in the street of a city. And it says their dead bodies, uh, this is um, chapter 11 verse eight, will lie in the main street of the great city, which figuratively is called Sodom it's also called Egypt but it is where also their Lord was crucified and so it's it's one of the clearest moments where John says if you didn't pick up that we've been using a whole lot of figurative language let me throw you a bone this city is Sodom Egypt and Jerusalem and so you're left with this place and the question is why do you think Jerusalem is figuratively called Egypt in sodom it doesn't seem the best place for jerusalem to be a figure of, <laughs> and it's true it's and and for me um and i'll just take a stab i think one it's it's showing how there are images and symbolic things that that john is using which means the holy spirit is using them to communicate to us but for me if jerusalem can be compared to a city that was judged severely in the old testament and egypt always represented you want oh you want to go back to egypt you want to go back it's kind of you want to run away from god um then if jerusalem can be that then any city can be that which means any person can be that thoughts are your all's thoughts on you know additional things you might say to that question of why why would they do that why wouldn't you just say it's jerusalem why throw all the extra
3: shade
1: so much of um, the Book of Revelation is to I think, make us think way differently than we have before mm-hmm. about things, including Jerusalem. Um, like just having gotten back from Israel in the end of um, June, um, it it has occurred to me ever since we've been there that um, Jerusalem is just as messed up as the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, and and you know, you You kind of didn't have the warm fuzzies the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, you anticipate going there and thinking, "Oh my goodness, yeah, 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 this is so cool," and feel like, "Oh my goodness, you know, God's presence is really here." I did not have that experience. I had the same experience that I have when I read Revelation, and the same experience that I have when I think about my own life apart from Christ or my people in my in in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same feeling, Uh, and so I love that about that use of those two images, Egypt and Sodom, um, because it's, it's the same all over the world. And, and there's no guarantee just because you were brought up in Jerusalem or brought up in a Christian family or brought up in whatever you think is like safety zone. Nothing is safe, mm-hmm. uh, in this battle that we're in apart from abiding in Jesus, yep. uh, in an ongoing way. and I, I don't, so that, that just, popped up again for me, you know, mm-hmm. as you read that again. Yeah. And it's happening a lot in in my personal yeah. study of Revelation and listening to, to yeah. other, you know, you guys teach on it. It's like, yeah, it's all messed up yeah. apart from Christ. Daniel, to uh, bring a quick application,
2: um, so when we think about the city of God and we think about people, three living stones right here um, and people being a part of the city of God, how should we be careful about talking about the literal place of Jerusalem when it comes to unwavering allegiance yeah. to a worldly system? Sure. To be blunt. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the, the, the culmination of everything in Revelation is that everything is remade. Mm. So even as you see, there's this thing of Jerusalem where it's like, man, Jerusalem is messed up. It's the same as Egypt. It's the yeah. same as Sodom. It's, connected even with other ideas of babylon just general worldly demonic those things kind of go hand in hand systems of power and of you know trying to be god apart from god and that kind of stuff so um you see in the end of revelation that there is a new jerusalem mm-hmm. like a bride yeah and so it's supposed to connect this idea of us as the people of God being a new and remade um, society of people like his family. And so then as far as then how do we think about this stuff? I think we should care about um, countries, nation, Mm -hmm. like our, our nation, other nations and stuff insofar as we're caring about the, the people that would actually populate the new earth, like that, people are valuable to God, not necessarily systems, governments, Mm -hmm. even when we think about our local church here. Our church is precious to God because of the people that are a part of our church family, not the building, not the, you know, God can take or leave, all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. um, and he will happily remake it in any way he sees fit to bring the most people into his family. So I think that's that's what we need to move past because we can easily get tied into the, the the systems that we are used to that are comfortable and and uh miss the things that God actually cares about that are sometimes below the surface.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um a question here, uh in chapter thirteen, verse eighteen. Um and it's it's kind of one of those pause moments. Um, where John is saying, like, let's this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, could is, because it is the number of a person. Its number is six, 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 and no doubt controversial on certain things when you try to interpret something that you know. I mean, I I can remember as a kid, you know, hearing about six, 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 and you know, going to those super fearful seminars about listening to records backwards and just crazy stuff. And I actually was one of the ones who went home and like busted up my tapes in the garage. Cause I was really serious for Jesus. And you know, this one, apparently if you play this one backwards, it's got something to do with the devil and six, six, six. And, um, what it, what is, what wisdom in and what, what's a way. And let me just read the question in 1318. This calls for wisdom. Let the person, was insight um and then he this question says is this hearkening back to whoever has ears let them hear um matthew uh, what would have been the consequence of having insight in this context versus not having that insight um meaning like what's if where how could we uh, if he's saying this calls for wisdom is it almost like a nod to saying this is going to be a problem <laughs> This is going to be a problem for interpreting. And look out, watch out. Is that is that what the the verse is kind of pushing towards? How would you, how would you preach that, Daniel? Since you did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think you know. I think the the place where we often go wrong when we come to because the 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 idea of six 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 and the mark of the beast they're kind of they're they're the same concept. Mm-hmm. And it's it's receiving this mark on your forehead or your hand. And so again, it, uh, it harkens back to, I think really specifically, uh, in revelation to the seal of the Holy spirit on the people of God. Mm. And even in Deuteronomy, uh, God telling his people to put, you know, to put his seal on their forehead and their hand. And even today, if you go to Israel and you see bar mitzvahs, you see Boys with the phylacteries on their head yeah. with the got, it's got scripture and, and it's the, kind of tied up and it's bound up around their hand. And so, yep. you know, there's a there there is certainly a a physical symbolic manifestation mm-hmm. of those things. Um, but ultimately the real seal is spiritual. Yeah. And so that's I think that's the importance and that's the wisdom that is called for um in uh in understanding what is what does it mean to be sealed by the beast? Yeah. And what, what does it mean to let the the thinking and the ways of the dragon or the beast to infiltrate the way that I think mm-hmm. and then the way that I live? Um, because again, you know, like we talked in the last podcast, you know, it it there can't there could be physical manifestations. I think there certainly are. Um and but but one of the things that I think is super important to recognize is that it's n- not just that. Yeah. And that there's always a deeper thing. So it's like I'm I might not get a microchip in my hand or something like that. But that doesn't mean that I'm not cooperating with the way of the the beast. So it really I think the wisdom is like, let's let's think twice because a lot of this stuff, especially because it's connected to like buying and selling, it's like one of the most basic things that you need to do to operate and and um and sort of interact in society. It's mm-hmm. like one of the most basic things of society, even even more basic than having any sort of formal government. It's yeah. just being able to buy and sell. So, it's like th- there's the way that the beast creates systems to work that it's like, "Well, this is just how it is. So, I got to cooperate. I got to go along with it." You see some really clear uh examples of that earlier on in the me- in the letters to the churches where they're specifically you know discouraged and paul talks about this in some of his letters too specifically discouraged from um worshiping in cultural you know moments where they would have you know gathered to do some business and in that business meeting they're giving honor to or worshiping this particular god of the city that they're going to do so it's that kind of stuff so there's there's um there are physical manifestations of it, but the reason that we're encouraged away from that is because it's also the spiritual part of it. Yeah, it's not just like because Paul talks about this; he's like, it's not just an idol. There's a real presence, like there's a real demonic empowerment behind that thing. And I think the unfortunate thing for us is that there's so many things that our culture puts out there, like, like for example, um, uh, one of the things that I think we often allow. In our own lives is greed. Yeah, that we're tight fisted with our money, and we're like, well, that's just smart finance. Mm -hmm. But not in the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah, it's not. And so the um and so again, there's a there's a spiritual connection there, and it's something that I think as a as a believer, we're called to break that.
3: Yeah,
0: and actually live out the seal of the Holy Spirit that we've received. Um, so anyway, I, that that's kind of how I would take that. What it, what is the wisdom that it takes? It means that I don't just take for granted that I know everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. And I'm coming to Jesus like, all right, is this your way or is this not your way? Mm-hmm.
2: I like the distinction you made of you could still be participating with the beast and not doing this really obvious outward thing um, of like, let's say, if it was a microchip or something like that. You could be like, nope, not doing that because I'm a Christian and I'm following Jesus. But you're kind of what I hear you saying is that, but inside I'm super greedy and I won't give my money to anybody. And tough, tough luck. They didn't make the right choices in their life and they're poor. And so I'm sorry, but I did. And God's blessing me. And so therefore, and I hear you saying, uh, careful. Yeah. Like there's a heart thing going on there. It reminds me of um, Jesus saying, and it's at the end of Matthew. Um, Lord, didn't we? we were in church? We did ministry. We were we were your people. and I prophesied in your name, and I did all these things, and Jesus is eh, I don't know you. I don't you know because there was not this heart thing. Um, so Joe, how can we how can we gain that wisdom on a daily basis and protect ourselves from? I think there's fear. People have fear of doing something that relates to this and probably you know the the chapters we that I just preached on last week 15 and 16 there's some pretty intense uh, outpourings of God's wrath and um consequences for sin consequences for rejecting and so I think people respond and they think well if it's the beast and I need to find exactly what the beast is and what not to do because I'm super afraid of that how can how can people walk in wisdom what does that look like so that we don't have to be afraid because that's pretty clear he doesn't want us to be afraid
1: right yeah i think it's um helpful that that this and other texts that that use this phrase calls for wisdom is really um, asking the follower of Jesus to to stay awake stay alert be on your guard um the number six 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 is a final number. Evidently, it's a it's it's com- it's compared and contrast in my thinking to seven seven seven, in the scripture. Um, there's this and right next to six is seven. It's close. It it, it can look really like seven, you know, mm-hmm. because it's so close. Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't know if there's anything to this, but of the seven letters, um, it's the sixth Letter to Thyatira is the only one that that Jesus says, I don't have anything against you. And then if you look at the at the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls, the sixth one of each one of those uh, is where there's condemnation towards human beings, hmm. and it increases, you know, with the the seals, trumpets, and the bulls. And so I, I think there there needs to be an ongoing daily—I I appreciate that—daily, moment of a moment, wisdom. Lord, is this of you, or or am I being mm-hmm. duped? Because it's so easily to be duped. And part of this is the alluring effect of Babel, the Babylonian mindset, mm-hmm. or the allure to wealth and power. And, you know, I'm in 17, so I'm already thinking about, okay, how do yeah. I discern— because even John comes out in verse 4 and, and is astonished. It's a mm. word for worship. Worship the prostitute. Mm. Worship Baal. And the angel says, what are you doing that for? Mm. So even John in writing and seeing and being taken in the spirit to see this, the angel points out, careful.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so when I see this 666, I'm more apt to, to not think as big Big old terms, as I am daily, moment by moment. I need to be discerning, and mm-hmm. and I and I hear that in Jesus's um, call to believers in the last days to to be ready, to be awake, to to be sober, yeah. really discern and, and and you know walk with Jesus in that prayer, um, because it, we're so easily deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, yeah, some of those things are unbaked with me the 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 six seals and the and, and the and the seven or the seven churches and the seven yeah. you know wrath things but I, I'm beginning to to kind of listen yeah. to something that I haven't entertained before as you can yeah. tell yeah no it's good um, and I I like did you say unbaked mm-hmm. <laughs> it's half baked I should say nice yeah. nice is
2: it, uh, is it yeah. batter you want to eat or do you just want to leave on the side uh, yeah, um no. is it a casserole unbaked or is it cookie dough mm-hmm. um I I wonder also, Daniel, how much being sealed by the Lord and knowing him, um, talk about the difference between, well, I know I'm in the right place. I have the right things. I think the right things. I believe the right things. I've done all this stuff. Talk about like a contrast that, so well-ordered, uh, have ticked all the boxes of a follower of Jesus. I am settled to a person who maybe doesn't even couldn't even like form all that stuff, but it's just like, I just love him. I just love him. And I, I, I want to do right. Like talk about that for a second of this. And I'm, what I'm thinking about is, um, the Paul's talking about putting on Jesus and putting on love and putting on, you know, um, what, how does that, how can that help us when we think about, um, making sure that we're, we have wisdom and that we're walking, um, like, and the reason I'm asking is because I think I lived for sure the first 30 plus years of my life with, well, I know I did all the right things, but not a lot of like, oh
0: Lord, I just love
2: you. You know, does that connect with you?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, you know, again, I, I just, I think so much of sometimes the, the way of the dragon. Infiltrates our pursuit of correct theology, even. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like a lot of times I feel this tension, and I think a lot of other people buy into it too. That the way that you stand on truth is by asserting power over people. Mm -hmm. This is true, and I'm going to make sure you know it's true. And there's a way to stand on truth and to, um, to there's a way to do that that actually looks like the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Um, none of the fruit of the spirit are, you know, you know, power over people. It's not a fruit of the spirit. Like arrogance is not a fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, we think that's what being a strong follower of Jesus looks like. Um, and almost people almost get offended if you have humility in the way that you approach standing on truth. Yeah. Now again, it doesn't mean you know, it doesn't mean that I'm apologetic about what the Bible says. It doesn't, you know, we can be we can hold to our convictions uh strongly, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that God needs us to to manipulate other people mm. to do the same thing or to think the same thing. And I think we've done that a lot in our churches because it's it's easier discipleship to say you think this or else yeah i'm gonna come down hard on you or we're gonna kick you out or we're gonna do like what you know and and it's almost like you dangle the carrot of belonging and friendship Mm -hmm. um but you gotta xyz you gotta agree with these so i think that's been that's been the experience of a lot of people and so when it comes to you know what does it then look like to be transformed, and rather than having this head full of stuff, yeah, actually have a real relational connection with Jesus? I think that's what we see in a lot of even like the the early, um, like the first letter to the church in I think Ephesus is the first one, is that right? Something like that. Yeah. So he's like, hey, you guys have great doctrine. But you don't have the same kind of love anymore. Hmm. And he gives an extremely sobering warning to that church. And he's like, You're not going to be a witness for me anymore. That's I'm, right. I'm
2: going to take away your lampstand.
0: I'm going to take away your, you're, you're not going to be my thing. <laughs> you're not going to have my, my spirit and power as a church anymore. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't consider you to be my people. Hmm. And that's, it's, it's like, wow, okay. So it's more than just, what Jesus is looking for is more than just like having a, a good understanding of him. It's to actually have a real, um, in, you know, a real embodied relationship with him. And I think it, it makes a lot more sense when we think about it in the context of like a real human relationship, especially like in a marriage. I can I could go and I could like write letters or books about who my wife is mm-hmm. accurate. You know, and things that she likes, things that she doesn't like, things that she's experienced, you know, stories that I know about her life. And then um, but then never actually talk to her, Mm -hmm. have her come and say, you know, Daniel, when you came home and had that tone with me, that was really hurtful. And I'm like, yeah, well. Here's all this, you know, and I, I, I can't just hold on to this place of knowledge. There has to be a real relationship where I'm actually being changed and transformed and humbled. And I think that's what, that's what Jesus wants us to experience with him. And, and even just going back to the, you know, Matthew 25, where he says, I never knew you. It's like, I have no relationship with you. Mm. I have no relationship with you. And so it's, it's, um, Again, I think, I think unfortunately we've made Christianity just to be assenting to these beliefs, but really just like mentally, mental assent to a belief, that's yeah. very cheap. Yeah. And I could change my mind every day. Yeah. This is not cheap. Right. Like my, my commitment and covenant that I've made to my wife, that's not cheap. I've changed hmm. a lot since the first day we got married, but the thing that hasn't changed is we're still married. Yeah. So I think that's that's the difference and it's not um it's just not as easy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it, it and it we it's interesting too. I I love the idea of relationship and family marriage, but also just um, you know, families like with our, our parents or our siblings and we know whenever we step into those things that immediately you know, people like are listening and going, Yeah, my family stinks <laughs> My marriage is over. And, and so there's this there's a recognition and understanding they're, they're not perfect illustrations, um, but sometimes when you do get a taste here and there, and I think this idea of, you know, like, whether it's, well, you were definitely born of your mom and me, and you're, you are ours. So what do you want? What do you want? You know, I signed the paper. I said I do. What are you looking for? like we're married. And so I think we can and and it's just it's a direct point you're making like we can say, yeah, sign the thing. I mean, I was there at the ceremony. I was there when you were born. I'm like what do you want from me? And I think this idea of Jesus saying, yeah, like that's not how this works. And yet, not only have we said this is how it works, we've said it with arrogance. And we've and then we browbeat people in you know, whether it's one on one or from up front
1: to be like, You better be rah rah rah. Um and it's oh, it's just so wanting. Yeah. It doesn't I've I've wrestled with a question in um I've wrestled this only out loud with my wife. So this will well, maybe, we we'll maybe we'll need to, to the cut millions this. who listen, yeah, all three right. of you. We might need to cut this part <laughs> out because it might be all weird. Josh, or bad. get the edit um, ready. Like I I have I've wondered. Do do we lose our will in the new heaven and in the new earth? Hmm. Or is that transformed? And then another question is, is that what you're doing now for me, in me, and through me, Lord, just to want you? Yeah. And so I do have a will that I bring into eternity, but it's it's... I don't want to say sanctified in that it's just all God just, you know, makes that happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, from my gut, I just want to be with you. Um, and, and I do wonder sometimes then when we're studying this and when we're trying to disciple people, if more of the focus shouldn't be on obviously being patient with people to, to come to those realizations of, of, of actually wanting to live out the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Your will be done God I mean mm-hmm. from their heart you know not my will be done your kingdom God not yeah. my authority not my power not my control is that at least a a, a big old portion of what God is doing in me in 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 others in Christ mm-hmm in getting us ready for eternity. And I think so, yeah, that's kind of where, one of the things that I'm landing on, there's probably, there's, there are there are hundreds of things that, that are on God's mind probably for me that he's wanting me to get my attention on. But right now that's where he's working on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was brought up by a mom who would say things like, um, it's, it's time to come in, do I have to? And she would always say, no, actually, Joe, you get to. You have a home, mm-hmm. you have somebody that loves you. You have a meal. Now get <laughs> in don't, here. You don't have, right. She didn't, and she never has. Even mm. to this day, if if she hears me or anyone in our family say, "Do I have to?" or "Can I cop an attitude?" She mm. says, "Hey, look, oh, we get to, mm. we get to." And so that I've been brought up on this. Oh yeah, you know, um, the blessings of God are. Right there for us to take, and it's not a matter of me really figuring them out and being able to explain them to other people. It's for me to accept those blessings, mm-hmm. and like I get to walk with you, God. I get to work on on my hard edges in my life that I know that aren't the best, that aren't imitating you, and aren't the best for Mary Beth and for my kids and grandkids and the people that I, you know, work with and 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 want to serve. Um, the best thing that can happen is that I actually, in my heart, want um to please and honor you mm-hmm. and and I so actually the book of revelation is doing that for me in some strange really yep. cutting ways mm-hmm. of kind of getting god I feel like god's getting his way in those deeper areas down in those mm-hmm. motivational areas um, with this and, I, and yeah. maybe that's one of the effects that the book of revelation is supposed to be having I, I
2: absolutely it. agree I I think if you ever had um my wife has probably seen this happen to me more than I like will be somewhere and it's it's something that's like you're watching just or seeing something amazing or beautiful like on vacation or something or you know you're you're distracted by something that's amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and and they're talking to you. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Right. Wait, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I get caught so many times. And Lisa's like, Chad, come on. What do you hey, listen to me. There's a part of what's happened to me with Revelation where I think, I think you know, part of what we do as pastors is we we can read through a passage of scripture now, and you can be like, oh, you could go here, you could go here, you could go here, like kind of that mental ascent. And now I kind of find myself where it's almost like the the Lord has taken the training wheels off a little bit, and I'm mouth open, jaw on the floor a little bit. Like, did you just did you see that? what and and it's like people are asking questions and you're trying to find them he's like I, I yeah I don't know huh and I'm almost like understanding that there's this part of wonder and worship that's beginning to happen and I don't know if this is part of the mystery or a little bit of a secret of, of getting past the intellectual exercise to just experiencing what's happening um, with these visions that John is seeing but it's in some weird sense, it's also connected to this awe and wonder and how that meshes with this, with my will and the love I have for Jesus and how I want to please him. And you walk away and it's almost like, well, what did you see in there? It's like, I really don't know. but It was awesome. It was so cool. You know that mm-hmm. you went on this great thing. How was it? Tell me about it. So good. <laughs> it was so good. I don't know. You should go. You should go. You, should, you really should go. They're like, what are you talking about? And it's it's this, I mean, even this past week, reading through what always had terrified me, the, the bowls that are being poured out, and they seem like these very awful things, and how could God do that? How could God give people painful sores? How could he cut off, you know, life of water? And in, that God was, and I talked about this Sunday, that he was actually showing me there's actually mercy in here. This is... You know, if, and even I, I just thought about, like, just take the first one. And so I'm learning. This is me. I'm trying out. I'm trying out riding on the bike so I may fall over. But as I'm reading, <laughs> you got it. And <laughs> I don't have it. Um, but I'm riding down the road on my bike and dad's let go of the seat. And I read painful sores. And, you know, like I, <laughs> there's a bit of a wobble. But then it's like, okay, how does God sometimes make me or allow me to feel discomfort in the things of life until I pay attention. And he's not trying to be mean, but it's, I haven't listened. And so, okay, you know, or how has, like, to take the second and third bowl of that, the, these waters are ruined. This is a life source. This is something that I found satisfaction. I could just go down there and get water and no problems. And then all of a sudden I have parts of my soul that feel like the source of life has been cut off, that I was finding life in. And why won't you let this happen? And, you know, you're, you're starting to realize, oh, you want to be the source. You know, I want to, you know, Jeremiah's thing, my people have dug for themselves their own cisterns. When they can't hold water, they're broken, they have cracks, and I'm the source. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. So, yeah, I'm going to turn your water to blood. Not literally, but I'm going to make it rancid (laughs) i'm gonna make so it's it's just interesting the it's so far removed from well let's talk about what these painful sores could be and i don't know like and i I hear that in you guys too it seems like we've we've all been caught up a little bit in the you know like (laughs) it's almost like we've come down from the revelation mountain and our faces are glowing and Mm -hmm. people are like yeah you guys look weird Mm -hmm. i don't want to look at you (laughs) um but pretty cool to see that happening um other thoughts of just uh, the wrath of God? I know that's not something we do talk about a lot, and I preached on it, but have you guys um when you have to talk about wrath or thinking about it, and we can kind of let this be our our last little um, run here for this podcast how how do you how does that sit with you when you think about God eventually, like the final pouring out of his wrath? Has it changed? Have you th- thought of it differently? Would you have preached on it differently a year ago?
1: I think Eugene Peterson's book, Reverse Thunders, really helped me in this thing, and, and one of the other, I think, what, what's the name of the discipleship book that we're reading? Discipleship on the Edge, on Dale the edge. Johnson. Yeah, those two books kind of highlighted the wrath of God is one side of the coin, the other side of the, uh, is, is justice, mm-hmm. and then you were able to introduce mercy this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that the wrath of God has more facets than just "Oh my goodness, God's mad and He's fed up and He's yeah. finally gonna, you know, do what He's wanted to do all along." Versus, no, He, he that isn't what He wants to do. Yeah. It is what He allows people to choose that they <laughs> they 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 might not see the wrath, mm-hmm. but they certainly have denied him or they've pushed him or rejected rejected him and so the final uh, act of that rejection is going to be to feel you know the full impact of his wrath that jesus has taken for them but they've Mm -hmm. chosen not to um and and then so there's mercy in it um and it gets back to the will people actually choose right to reject Jesus Christ. They actually choose to say, yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to just count on, on my conclusions and what I think is right. And, um, so, I, um, it's, it's nuanced now. Wrath yeah. is nuanced for me way more than, than it was maybe before. Yeah. And I'm embracing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because of the justice. Yeah. Part of it. Like, okay, there's an end to these things. It will be right. Yeah. How about you, Daniel.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, The sermon that you just preached last Sunday, I think, was such a great um, kind of journey Mm. through understanding uh, the importance of God's anger and his wrath. Because we, you know, when we come face to face with the brokenness in the world, we don't want we don't want a God who just shrugs and like, oh, man. Yeah. But he's like, no, I'm going to make that right. And. And at the same time, can so beautifully give mercy to the perpetrator mm-hmm. because his wrath was poured out on Jesus. And so there's a cosmic, big picture wrath of God. And then there's also like the personal mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way that I see his wrath. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord, because that should be me. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and, it just makes me so. Then, now in Christ, there is no more wrath, but there is discipline, mm-hmm. and it's different, right? And so, I think that's you know, I, I think about in Hebrews where it talks about how God disciplines his children, and so he actually turns there's, there's, there's like his justice and the way that he allows us to feel pain and difficulty in life. For those who are apart from Christ, it's everything is just like you need Jesus. Yeah, you need Jesus. Everything, and then once we're in Christ, it's like you need Jesus mm. to transform you. Yeah, you need to continue to be changed and, and sanctified from the inside out. Um, and He doesn't just leave us where we're at, but He continues to. Act, he actually wants us to experience the peace and the joy that comes with sharing in His holiness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it feels big and unfair and we can't always, we don't get the full picture of how all this stuff, but we do see in scripture that always when people see God bring justice and especially on a cosmic level, Jesus talks about it. You know, even we've been referencing Matthew 25 a lot. It's this hard judgment that comes down on like, I never knew you. Nobody has anything to say though. Like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And you just never get that that sense. Even Jesus tells another really poignant story about the rich man and Lazarus. Yes. And Lazarus is with God in heaven, and and Lazarus is sent, or excuse me, the rich man is sent to hell. And and you never get this sense. You hear the rich man actually talking. He never says this was wrong. I yeah. shouldn't be here. It, God's judgments are yeah. right. Yeah. And, and somebody so, else
2: even pointed out he doesn't even say get me out of here. Yeah. Like just just give me relief,
0: right, so it that like all of those things together, I think it really it really gives um again, I think a, a sense of and I, I talked about this in a previous podcast too, but it just gives a sense of like the strength of our God, yeah, and that there is nothing that escapes his notice. I think there are so many people out there who have been just silently abused mm-hmm. their whole life and nobody knew mm-hmm. except one and yeah. he has wrath for that yeah and i think that's just like we need that we do we need that and so <clears throat> um and and at the same time we see god's wrath and mercy meet in the cross of jesus mm-hmm. and we can find our hope and our security there and knowing that we are we have um Received a free gift from Jesus that cannot be earned by good works, cannot be lost by bad works, mm-hmm. and we have this. Um, like John talks about in in his letter, he's like, we have this perfect love that now I'm not afraid anymore mm-hmm. of punishment. It's dis- I, discipline, yeah, I'm, but I'm not afraid of punishment mm-hmm. because my my acceptance um, before God has been sealed yeah jesus yeah
2: sweet well everybody thanks for listening um i think what's cool and i kind of hear it in you guys and i think we're able to show people is you what hopefully what you're seeing is we we don't just approach this as an academic exercise it actually really messes with us when we are not only, it's our, uh, we're up, we're on deck, but also when we're having those conversations and and he's changing us. And that's, I think that is the ultimate goal that you spend time in God's word. It's to get you to Jesus. Um, so keep, keep sending questions. We would love to uh, interact with, with everybody, but thanks for joining us for another episode of Behind the Sermon. We'll see you next time.